we want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. I just pray, Lord, that we can be the hands and feet, God, Lord, that, that we don't just pray for your kingdom, kingdom to come, but we are actually the ones who are bringing the kingdom to the world, God. So, Lord, I just pray you open our hearts and our minds for what you have in store for us today. In your name, amen. So this morning, God has continually brought me back to one thing uh, over and over this year so far, and that is the, the, the idea or the, the issue of praising God, or, or maybe for some of us, maybe even the lack of praising God, the lack of the praise that our God deserves. And whether that lack of praise comes from a position of, I, I genuinely don't know how to praise him. Like, I need someone to teach me what that means. What does that look like? Or maybe it's the opposite end of that. And that lack of praise it stems from uh, maybe a place of bitterness or anger that we might have towards God for, for something that's happened to us. And anything in between those two. And it is my hope that I, I just want to encourage you guys this morning. I want to hopefully build you guys up as well. Maybe push you a little bit as well. When I say praise, I'm not just talking about what we just did, what, what Bethany just led us in, where we sing three or four songs and then we sit down, right? And, and that's, that's, a, that's an aspect of it. In my opinion, that's a very important aspect of that, but it's just one area of what it means to, to praise and glorify our God. And I, and when I say that, I'm talking about us crying out to God and us glorifying his name on a day in, day in and day out basis. Uh, it, it, it should be part of our everyday life because praise isn't just a song that you sing, you guys. Praise uh, is a posture and it's a perspective that we need to live by. And while God has been speaking to me, you know, I, I, if I handed you my journal, I, I devo every day and I have a journal that I write things down that he's speaking to me and whatnot. Like if I handed it to you, we're in the end of June, right? Uh, there would be at least six, if not, at the, off the top of my head, I can think of six right out the gate, if not more, where God has been bringing me back to what does it look like to praise me? What does that mean? And so it is personal. He has been speaking that to me, but I truly believe that it's a word that the church needs to hear right now too. Not just New Song, but the Big C Church, you know, the church around the world. And I meet with Pastor Stephen, and we've, we've talked about this, discussed this, what does this look like? And we both feel like God is, is really starting to move here, especially at New Song. Uh, I'm convinced that, that Pastor Stephen is about to lead us into taking new ground. We're going to start claiming new territory that, that we didn't even realize that God had in store for us. And I truly believe that, that that's the direction we're going. You know, I feel like everything is pre and post COVID now, right? I feel like pre COVID, the church, not just, not here, just here, but everywhere, there, there may have been a little apathy in the church, right? Uh, just kind of maybe a little lukewarmness, right? Maybe a little, this is just what I do. You know, I've, I've born and raised, it's, it's Sunday morning, you go to church, that's what I've always done. You know, it almost, it almost became a, a check, the, a box that we check off right before where we figure out where we're going to lunch, right? And I think COVID did something very interesting. I think it, it, it shook the church up. I think there was a pruning that took place. I think 
there was a, a, a sifting, if you will, that took place. And on the, on the backside of it, now that as, as we're coming out of COVID, I feel I, there's just a shift that's taken place. In my spirit, and I know I'm not the only one that feels this, there is something that flipped in, in the believer's life. And I truly believe God has something huge for us. And Pastor Stephen and I, we don't want New Song to be sitting on the sidelines watching everyone else have all the fun, right? We want to be front and center. We want to be the ones who are changing our communities, changing our workplaces. And with everything in me, I feel, I believe that we, we need to be a people that are quick to praise. I feel like we need to be quick to praise because it is going to open us up to what God has in store for us as a body as well as what our community has that we're going to bring it. Because what happens to us here in these four walls, we're going to take out into our homes, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods. And I cannot wait to see the, uh, the impact that God has on our communities because of our faithfulness and our willingness to praise him. Uh, how many of you guys like to listen to other pastors throughout the week? Is it just me? I have about three or four pastors that I try to listen to every week. Uh, and I feel like at some point this year, they've all talked about revival. You know, everyone, I, everyone I've listened to over this past year, they've all talked about God bringing revival to his church, to his people, and how we as a people, we need to be ready and prepared for that to take place. Well, let me tell you guys, praise precedes revival. Praise precedes revival because revival is when God moves in his people. It's when God awakens or quickens his people to his name. And this may step on some toes this morning, but it's the truth. God can't bring revival to a bunch of people who don't want it. He can't use men and women who are so focused on their pain and their bitterness and their anger that they've lost sight of God. They've, they've moved, you should have tunnel vision on God and what he's doing, right? Amen? Amen? He can't use people who are so focused on all the bad things going on that we've lost sight of what God's doing. He can't use people who are too busy getting offending, offended that nothing else matters. You know, I was talking to Christian a little while back and we were talking about how it seems that these days that Christians are, are getting really good at not just getting offended, but then staying offended. You know, and I told her, you know, you, you read in Matthew 16, there's this account of Jesus is, is talking to his disciples, and he's like, hey, I have to go to Jerusalem. And when I'm there, bad things are going to happen. I'm going to have to die, and I'm going to raise up. And Peter gets up, no, that can't be it. No, I'm not going to let that happen. God, Lord, don't, don't talk like that. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. You are being a stumbling block to me. You know, you have Peter here. He's just heard that his, his, his rabbi, his master is, hey, I'm going to, it's not going to be a fun time in Jerusalem, but I have to do it. And he's like, he's thinking he's defending his Lord and his Savior, right? He's like, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen to you. And that was Jesus' response. And I was telling Christian, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened today and and. Jesus looked at us. I mean, he looked Peter right in the eyeballs. Get behind me, Satan. Like, if he had done that to his church today, it wouldn't surprise me if half the people who follow him got offended and turned away from him, right? What do you, I, was, I was defending you. I was looking out for you, and that's how you treat me? Come on, man. I don't need you. Whatever. But that's all beside the point. The point is, 
when we shift into a perspective of giving God the praise that he's worthy of, no matter the circumstance, it awakens us to who God is and what he's doing. It awakens us to his goodness, to his loving kindness, to his mercy, to his grace, to his love, to his forgiveness, to everything else. It teaches us to revere God. I think more than anything else, when we, when, we pro, when we humble ourselves and praise God, it teaches us to have a reverence to God. And pray, it changes us. It, it refocuses our affections. It realigns our priorities, and it restores us. It restores our soul. And I want to look at a few verses this morning that, uh, just to look at how praise literally changes our lives. And I feel like this is such a a basic concept, right? What do you mean praise? That's what I always do. But I feel like just everything in me, I feel like it's so important for us to walk into what God has in store for us. We need to do better at it. There's always room for improvement. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Romans 4 is all about being justified by faith. And we read a recounting of Abraham's life and his faithfulness that led to the birth of a nation. And we all know the story, right? Abraham's old, his wife is also old, and they can't have kids. Angel comes to him, hey, you're going to have a son, and through that son, through your offspring, I'm going to create a nation. There's going to be so many people that it's going to be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, you can't count them. And Abraham's like, okay. You know, he makes that covenant with Abraham right there. And Abraham's like, okay, let's do this. Let's go. And then nothing happens. He waits and he waits and he waits. And as he's waiting, he's getting older. His wife's getting older. And then they have Isaac, who is the fulfillment of that promise. And Romans 4.20 says, Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Do you catch that? Abraham's faith grew stronger while he continued to give glory to God in his waiting. Because there's power in our praise, you guys. And it goes back to the, the shifting of a, the, our shifting of focus that we need to have. It shifts us uh, on how we view our world and how we view our circumstances. Because Abraham waited nearly 10 years for this promise to happen, a, a promise that really seemed impossible. It was definitely too good to be true, right? But because he postured himself in a position to believe the promises of God and give glory to him, it was credited to him as righteousness. And I think if he didn't do that, things may have turned out a little bit differently for him. You know, God definitely would have his plan still would have happened, but things may not have gone as smoothly for Abraham. And this year, if this year has taught me anything, it's taught me to relate, to be intentional about choosing to praise God, even when things, I don't see things happening. Because praise is a choice. It's a choice we have to make every single day. And as I'm sure everyone knows, 2022 has not been the friendliest year to the Rizzuto family. Uh, I know Pastor Stephen, if you guys have come uh, Pastor Stephen has, has brought it up a couple times throughout his sermons and whatnot, but I want to fill in a little bit more. Uh, it's not my testimony. I mean, it's part of my story, but it's not my story to share, so I don't want to take it out away, but I will fill in a little more details. 
So this year, in late January, my dad was diagnosed with what they thought was stage 3 melanoma. And I'm excited, to tell, I'm excited for you to hear his story and what God has been doing and working in him through this process. I don't know when that's going to happen, but when it does, I know it's going to be good. So that was late January. March 28th, my aunt passed away. In early April, my 24-year-old sister was told that she had an extremely rare type of cancer. Not to mention, you know, I've done it June. I've done, I've about, I'm on track to do one funeral a month this year. Yeah, it's just one thing after another. And you read here in, in Romans 4 that Abraham, we get this picture of an unwavering man. Even in his waiting, he was unwavering, right? Man, I wasn't just wavering. I was on the ground, <laughs> if I'm being honest with y'all. And just a, a point of, of openness and vulnerability with you guys, I, it, it is easy for me to think the worst. I have to be careful to watch myself not to get into that way of thinking. You just ask Christian. Uh, multiple conversations we've had about that. And, you know, that you, she's always like, why do you always expect the worst? And so, you know, that, that saying, you know, you expect the worst and nothing surprises you. Like, that makes sense to me. So I really have to, I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that or if it's just me, but it would have been so easy for me to look at all of this and get bitter and to get angry and frustrated. Like, God, what what are you doing? Like, where are you in this? Like, if anything, can we at least spread it out a little bit? Like, all at once, like, come on. (laughs) A couple years in between these would be nice if it needs to happen. It would have been so easy for me to fall in to that, that mindset of, I could only have five years left with my dad. What is my baby sister getting cancer for? Much less a cancer that's so rare, rare that doctors don't even know what it is. Why'd you take my aunt so quick? That is a perspective and a mindset that sounded really good to me, really appealing to me. But I made the choice to praise God in all of this, even though we knew nothing. You know, there are a lot of unknowns, like a lot of questions. You know, it's a choice, right? Praise is a choice. Nights crying out to God about how good he is and how worthy of my praise he is no matter what and thanking him for the testimony that my father and my sister and my family was going to have on the flip side of this. Praise is a choice. And guess what? Stage three melanoma turned out to be a lot less serious. And at this point... My dad doesn't have any cancer, right? My sister's cancer wasn't as rare as they first thought, and they were able to remove it all. And even even if it was, this is my favorite part, even if it was the super rare type of cancer they thought, only five doctors in the entire country specialize in that form of cancer. So even if it was worst-case scenario... Rebecca and Eric, her wife, they moved to Omaha, Nebraska last August. Guess where one of the five doctors who specialize in this live? If that's not God moving, I don't know what is. And my aunt had been sick with bone marrow cancer for for quite a while. And it it was the family's prayer that when it was her time to go, that it would happen quickly. And and it did. You know, it hurt. It wasn't fun. But he still answered that prayer. There is power in our praise. And I know that's not the case for all of us. 
there are people in this room right now where that wasn't the outcome to their story. You know, that, that, that fact doesn't bypass me. You know, praise isn't a magic potion. It's not a magic fix-it-all. We don't praise God to try to manipulate him into doing something for us. We don't praise God because of the outcome. We praise God because of who he is. So I get it. And I don't want to discredit or discount the feelings of disappointment. You know, read that? Because that's not everybody's story. You know, sometimes God, we feel like he doesn't show up. You know, I have a friend. He, he went through some stuff, pretty serious stuff with his wife. And, he, and he'll tell you that I was disappointed in my God. I felt like he dropped the ball. How many of you guys have, have maybe felt like that? You don't need to raise your hand. That was just me. Those are very real feelings and feelings that you should have. It's not like, I'm not saying, hey, ignore those. Just praise God. Turn a blind eye to that. Like, no, those are very real feelings that you need to express and walk through. But while you're doing that, you can still praise God because when we praise God, he's going to help you process and deal with those things. And even if things don't go the way that it did for my dad and sister, God is still good and he's still worthy of it all. I love what Psalms 26 verses 6 and 7 says. It says, Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults and with my song I shall thank him. We shouldn't just praise him. We should be loud about it. The commentator Matthew Henry, I always like to try to learn stuff, so I'm always looking at different commentators, what he has to say about stuff, because I realize there's people a lot smarter than me. And Matthew Henry, talking about this verse, he says, what we win by prayer, we must wear with praise. Guys, I love that. What we win by prayer, we must wear with praise. You guys, it's okay to verbalize and be loud about your praise when God intervenes in your life. It's okay. Men, it is okay to be loud and verbalize what God is doing in your life. For some reason, men, I, I don't know, we put a shell on. You know, even if God's moving, you know, we're not quick to share. We're not quick to get loud. It's okay. I think of, of, of King David. You know, he wrote most of the Psalms, you know, Psalms, songs that you sing to people. David wrote a lot of those. But men were afraid to attack him because he was an expert of warfare. In 2 Samuel 17, 8, some opposition comes up and they're like, hey, King David and his men, they're going to be camping over here while they're sleeping. Let's go attack them. And some of the other guys were like, hey, hold up, you... That's King David you're talking about. He's an expert in warfare, and he surrounds himself with mighty and valiant men. Uh, You are crazy if you think you're going to sneak up on him. He's not going to be sleeping with his men. He's going to be up in a cave somewhere because he knows warfare. That's a man's man, right? Yet he still wrote psalms. He still prays. He still wasn't afraid to dance. Men, it is okay to be loud about what God is doing in your life. Because when we tell others and praise God for what he's doing, it does two things. One, it glorifies God. And two, it encourages other believers. 
right? Guys, that's why sharing your testimony is so important. I love, my, probably my favorite thing is hearing other people's testimonies because testimonies is you're hearing what God is doing in people's life. Like a couple weeks ago, pastor had heaven's story. And that blessed me. Your story blessed me. I was in the back and I think I was Carl. I was like, man, that's so cool. How, how awesome is our God? Because when you hear what God is doing in other people's lives, it quickens your spirit, right? I know I'm not the only one who, when you hear good things, you know, there's something in you that it's, you just want to get up and start jumping up and down or doing jumping jacks or something, right? That's not a mistake. You know, I feel like maybe sometimes, and Pastor Steve and I love him. He is so good at opening up the mic for, like, praise reports. He does it more than any pastor I ever know. I, you know, a lot of pastors, they don't open the mic up. He's not scared. You don't have to wait for Pastor Stephen to have an open mic to share what God's doing in your life. You know, there's absolutely a place for praise reports, absolutely. But you don't have to wait for that on a Sunday morning. You know, there's coffee right out there, donuts, pastries, whatever you name it. Man, if you're, while you're standing there getting coffee, just look to the guy next to you, whoever's next to you, and be like, hey, you know, we've been struggling with this, this, and this. But guess what my God did this week? Guess how my God moved in my life this week? I just got to tell someone. It's okay to do that. If you want to build up the church, if you want to edify the church, if you want to strengthen the church, share your testimony. Because what happens when we share our testimony, God goes from being some far-off deity that we just pray to to being a very up-close and personal God that intervenes in the day in and day out of your life. And notice the progression of this, this verse here in Psalms. David has cried out to God. God has heard his supplications. He has heard his prayers. And even though David is crying out to God, he still trusts God. God helps him. And because of that help, it says David rejoices and praises God. That's because our souls were made to respond. When God moves, we need to respond. And I feel like we may have dropped the ball a little bit on that. You know, I feel like we need to do better at that. There's always room for growth. We read in Psalm 69, verses 30 through 31, I will praise the name of God with a song and magnify him with thanksgiving, and it will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hooves. Y'all, that's a sermon all on its own. The implications of just that one verse right there, what that means for how we worship and come to God. And this is repeated in Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then, and they're talking about Jesus, so through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Our praises need to be more than just thoughts directed at God. You know, you can think of it this way. What would you think of a husband that never felt the need to tell his wife how much he loves her and cares for her? Or how about a parent that never felt the need to shower their kids with praises for what they do and what they accomplish? So next week, this, this coming week, we are going to, we're going to spend, uh, what's coming up, 4th of July, we are spending 4th of July with Christian's parents in Seattle. Um, so we leave this week. Well, this past Tuesday, uh, Dina, my wife's mother, came in to Denver and took Ruthie away. So Ruthie is getting a week 
with just her, East and Papa in, in Washington. And it's, so it's just been me and Christian and Leo holding the fort down here. So on Wednesday, we're at home, and before I leave for work, uh, Leo has a bunch of, of books where you can, like, trace numbers and letters, right, to help him get, like, fine motor skills and to recognize his numbers and stuff. So he has that out, uh, and he's doing it. And he's getting to the point where, I mean, he's three, so, you know, it's been a mess. Like, dude, that's, that A takes up half the page. Um, and he's finally moving into this, like, where he can actually trace and stay on the dotted line. And, you know, so Christian and I, the whole time he's doing that, man, Leo, that's so good. You are so good at that. Like, man, that's awesome. Like, man, you're, I don't think anyone does it better than you. You know, and what does Leo do? You know, he straightens up. He has a big old smile. He's laughing. He's like, keep it coming. Like, I don't, hey, I like, I like this. Keep them coming. Don't stop. You know, I'm the man. Let's do this. God responds the same way when we praise him. He delights in our praise. What we win by prayer, we must wear with praise. But what happens when we fail to give God the proper praise that he deserves? Romans 1.21 gives us a little insight. It says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks. You know, it's one thing to know God. It's a different thing to experience him, right? And when you experience him, you're able to praise him a little more. They did not honor him or God as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations or their thoughts, and their foolish hearts was and their foolish heart was darkened. The lack of praise leads to a perverted logic, and that word futile there it means to be empty, to be foolish, to be confused or useless. Guys, I don't know about you, but I don't want my thinking to be any of those things. You know, I don't want to be how I, how I view God to have any of those words in it. And all of those descriptions sound a whole lot like how the world's way of thinking is, right? Perverted, foolish, confused, useless. We live in a world where people do not honor God or give him thanks. So it shouldn't surprise us that their way of thinking is the way that it is. And our glorification and our praise of God helps us be set apart from the world. Our praise and our glorification helps us from falling into the same patterns of foolish thinking that we are warned about here in Romans. Because when our logic is perverted, instead of glorifying God, we transform him into forms and images that are more comfortable to our darkened hearts. Jesus didn't come and die for us, for us to lower him to our standards. He came and died for us to raise us up to his. You know, guys, I have, I have friends in Bible college who have fallen into this perverted lowering of God's character. You have friends who are some of the most gifted people. Some friends who, like, you, you read this, and, like, the, the, what they were able to pull from it, it's like, man, that's good. Like, I don't get that when I read that. Like, come on. But the enemy has gotten a foothold in their life and has been able to shift their focus away from praising God to them just seeing their pain and their hurt. And as you start to view God 
in light of our bitterness and in light of your confusion, you put him in a box that makes sense to you. And God was never meant to be put in a box that makes sense to you. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Whether we like it or not, you know, I like to be in control of things, so sometimes that's hard for me to grasp. You know, I don't want to serve a God who I can understand and who I can figure out. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be God if we could do that. But that's what we do when we have these perverted thoughts in a darkened heart. You know, we start to say things like, there's no need for us to accept Christ because he died on the cross for us already. Things like, hey, I believe Christ died, rose again, and I believe he's coming back. And everyone who lives in between point A and point B, there's no need for you to accept Christ because he died on the cross for you. You, That's a perverted way of thinking. It sounds good, right? There is no need for repentance. There is no need for us to confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that he is Lord because he's already died. He's, that's it. How could a God that I read about here, how could a God that I read about in these pages do this, this, or this to me? How could he allow this to happen? Why, why would he do that? Come on. Satan knows that if he can get us to view God through the lens of our emotions instead of through the lens of who he is and what he's done for us, he's won. Because the result is what you see in Romans 121. Futile thoughts in a foolish heart. And that breaks my heart. There is power in our praise. Again, I'm not trying to take away from the pain or the trials that we face. But the reality is that those things shouldn't be stipulations to our praise. And as I said earlier, praising and glorifying God, it's, it's not a magic fix at all. We don't praise God because of the outcome. We praise God because of who he is. And that causes our faith to grow. When we start understanding, you know, even, man... That didn't turn out how I wanted it, God. You know, I feel disappointed. I feel like you dropped the ball. It's okay to be disappointed in God. You just can't stay there. You can't stop praising him. Because it is in that praise, especially in those moments where we feel like we're just disappointed and just let down, that's where our faith grows. You know, he's close to the brokenhearted. Amen? So going back to Abraham, things didn't always go perfect for him. But he never wavered in the promises of God or failed to give God the praise that he was due. You know, his thoughts never became futile. Did he make me question God? Yeah. You know, I think maybe Hagar and Ishmael might have been a, hey, you said this ain't happening, let me try to force it. You know, his knots were never futile or his heart was never darkened. So to close, I just want to go back to Romans 4.20. We're going to get out of here a little early today, you guys. We read that Abraham grew strong in faith because he didn't fail to give God the glory. And that word there, gives, it's it ditto me, ditto my. I want, you get it. It means to give God what is due or obligated. To give what is due 
or obligated. We are obligated to praise God, you guys. If for nothing else, for the fact that he died on the cross for us. If the only thing God ever did for you was send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross on your behalf, that's enough. That's enough. That's a miracle in itself. Whether you never get that item on your prayer list answered, whether that miracle you're hoping and praying for never gets answered, whether the situation you find yourself in never changes, if none of those things happen, they won't because we serve a good God who gives good gifts to his children. Amen. Will everything you're hoping and praying for happen? Probably not. At least not in the way we think it should. But will some of them, if not most, be answered? Absolutely. But even if we spend a lifetime crying out to God, God, say, do this for me, do this for me, and he doesn't answer a single one of them from the point we're born to the point we die, if he doesn't do anything but die on the cross for us, that is enough. The cross is enough. And are you guys struggling with praising and glorifying God this morning? I like it when pastors give practical suggestions, so I'm going to give you one. If you guys are struggling with that, want to do better at that, want to help get out of the funk that you might find yourself in, look to the cross. It's as simple as that. I feel like sometimes we try to overcomplicate things. Look to the cross. Look to what that means, the implications of that in your life. And so this morning, if we could, could we close out with, oh, yeah, actually, speaking of that, are we okay to practice what we preach? You know, Scott, I just was told Scott has a testimony. So if you would like to come up and share that, it would be awesome. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Scott, and the message that Thomas has been sharing is just amazingly close to my heart right now. Um, a couple weeks back, my best friend of over 40 years uh, died in a motorcycle accident in Massachusetts. Here was a guy that I've known for well over that long, uh, was an amazing friend, took care of my family when I was in the midst of a deep cocaine addiction. Uh, when I was in jail, he and his wife uh, took care of my family, brought me, brought me boots in jail when my shoes wore out, and um, has just been an amazing friend through the years. Even when I moved down to Pennsylvania and then over here, um, I would talk to him every couple of weeks. We'd spend half an hour or an hour on the phone. And so when, when he, I got the message that he was killed in the accident, somebody pulled out in front of him, I was devastated um, and confused and angry. And I drove out to Massachusetts two weeks ago and attended the memorial service um, spent a little time with his wife, and um, but but something stopped in my life. Um, I've always been in the habit of in the first thing in the morning, waking up, thanking God for another day, surrendering to Him, 
just saying, God, I surrender to you. Um, and that stopped. And for two weeks, I mean, I drove down from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania, attended my old home group, um, met, you know, reacquainted myself with friends, then drove back out here, but I wasn't in a good place. I, I wanted nothing to do with anything to do with God at that point. I was so angry, so bitter, thinking, you know, God, it doesn't make sense. Why did he die? And I didn't, who, have, who has had so many opportunities to die um, and done so many things deserving of death. And, uh, and so I wasn't surrendering. I wanted nothing to do with praising God. I went through the motions, but I, my heart wasn't there. And um, last week, or this past week, I was supposed to have some significant back surgery. And I got a call from the hospital saying that the doctor was ill and couldn't do the surgery. And I was so tempted to get angry because that's where I was. I was in a place of anger. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it was like, all right, God, I surrender. I accept. I surrender. You know, like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And, and then I was thinking, you know, Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulation. You know, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. And tribulation is, God, this isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? You know, they should never have done that to me or this should never have happened. And Jesus said, be of good courage, because I have overcome the world. And when I reached that place of surrender again, all of a sudden the tears were able to come. And I was able to grieve my friend Dennis. And, and I'm not in a happy place right now. Um, but I'm in a place where I can see God again and realize that, yeah, stuff's going to happen in this world that is not fair. Um, but if I respond in anger and bitterness, I shut myself off from my awareness of God's presence in my life. And if I'm able to respond in a way of saying, okay, I don't understand, but you're still God, and I'm going to praise you though you slay me, then I'll be okay. Thank you. Amen. So you guys, I'm just going to pray us out. So, Lord, I just thank you for you again, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of it all, God. Lord, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, God. And, Lord, that, that because of that and through you rising from the dead, Lord, that we can have eternal salvation with you, God. Lord, as, as we may face trials on this earth, Lord, they are nothing compared to the glory that we're going to see and the joy that we're going to experience in heaven, God. Lord, give us a mindset like Paul, where it says, you know, if I stay here, better for it, because I can still preach and proclaim you, but better for me if I am with, have, go to heaven, because then I am with my Savior. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the testimonies, like what you're doing in Scott's life right now, God, Lord, and, and all of those who, who are going through similar things, where it may be hard to see your face right now, God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you give us eyes to see you in our weakness and in our pain and our frustration, God. Lord, that as you are close to us when we are brokenhearted, God, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you reveal that to us, God, and Lord, that we can walk in praise and in strength in that, God. 
So Lord, I thank you and I praise you in your name. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.